0: more is not always better. Even though your content can be extremely valuable, you have to identify what's the key different stages your students go through, depending on the outcome that you want to help them get and strip everything that's not relevant to that key specific outcome.
1: My name is Ish Babe, and I'm the founder and CEO of Virtually.
0: And I'm Will Manon. I'm course director at Forte Academy. And
1: this is Reshaping Education, where we discuss the future of education, including online
0: courses, boot camps, and how the internet is changing how we learn.
1: Hey everybody, Ish here with Daniel Bustamante, the head of community for SHIP 30 for 30, a cohort-based course that helps people get started writing on the internet.
0: Daniel, so great to have you. Would you be able to introduce yourself real quick? Hey, Ish, thank you for having me, first of all. Super excited to be here and, and chat once again with you. So I'm a writer, I'm an automator, and I'm also the head of community, as you well said, of Cheap 30 for 30, which is a 30-day writing cohort, cohort-based course that helps people write on the internet. And I've been doing that for over a year now. It's been a wild ride. Daniel, I I
1: love having guests here who are building cohort-based courses. It's something that we talk a ton about on the podcast, but Ship30 is near and dear to my heart because I was actually a part of the March cohort of last year, 2021. That was uh that was the first cohort that I was part of, and as I understand, you guys actually just launched your March 2022 cohort yesterday.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's been a, exactly a year since that cohort you were initially a part of and Man, I, I can, of course, I, you can say I'm biased, but honestly and transparently, I can say it's a brand new course. We've made so many improvements, so many upgrades, and it it's the thing, It's it it has evolved so, so much. I'm super, super excited for this new cohort. Yeah,
1: and I can attest to that, kind of having been in the first student, I think I was maybe one of the first people to actually register for the membership and just to see it evolve over time. Uh, if you haven't heard of Ship 30 for 30, I wonder if you've been living under a rock. If you're on Twitter at all, you have seen the threads, you've seen the atomic essays, you've seen the ship emojis in people's profiles. It's It really is more than a course. It feels like a movement. And so Daniel, like you have to tell me about the journey. It's only been 18 months, maybe even less since like it, the existence of uh, the course. So obviously, we had Dickie come on and tell his side of the story about eight
0: nine months ago but i want to hear it from uh, your perspective okay let's start from the very beginning so i've been involved with ship theory from literally day one so when i first the first time i heard about it was when dickie first tweeted out the idea of doing a at, the, at the, initially it was just a writing community or, or rather a writing challenge where people would write 30 atomic essays in 30 days and you would join it. You would join the community to get that kind of ability. Dickie had that that first idea back in November, 2020. He tweeted out to see if anyone would be interested in joining and whether or not it was worth doing it for him. And I was one of the first people who replied to his tweet saying, yeah, man, I I would love to do it. it. It sounds great. And after replying to that tweet, I ended up joining the first cohort that happened in December 2020 also. I loved it. It was great. I did it again. And after doing that second cohort in January, I think that I, I had two takeaways. First, I was in love with the community and the, the whole experience. But second, that was more of a kind of a business takeaway. I could totally see... The community growing and thriving. Like the, again, the first cohort I participated in only had fifty people. Well, no, no that, which isn't a small number. It's still I, I, it's still a, a a good amount. But in the second cohort, there were a hundred people. So in a matter of three months, a, a brand new program it it had already experienced a two x growth. So I, I just thought to myself. Dude, this thing is is awesome. I'm in love with the, the program. I was very into writing at the time. I'm still am, but back then I was writing about writing. So it was my thing. And I saw the potential of, of the business side of things. So I basically armed myself with courage and reach out to Dickie and, and DM my way into becoming the first employee or the first team member of the Chip Theory team. <laughs> I,
1: one thing I think about all the time is how a good cold email or cold direct message can change your life. And looking back now, could you imagine if you hadn't hit the send button?
0: Man, my my life would be so freaking different. It's unbelievable. I was a couple of days ago, I was talking to Dickie and we were reflecting on on the year, on, on everything that has happened during the past year. And that, Literally, that cold DM changed my trajectory, you know, 360 degrees.
1: Yeah, that's unbelievable. Obviously, Daniel, like on the show, we talk about CBCs and what makes CBCs really grow and so special. Ship 30 for 30 is probably the CBC that has just seen the most viral growth. And I just before we get into some of the nitty-gritty around the ops and the automations, which I'm really excited to dive into, walk us through what is it do you think that made Ship30 for 30 grow as fast
0: as it has? I think that's a great question. I think that's a question more people looking to create or grow their own CVCs should uh, ask themselves too. And and that it's a question I've I've thought a lot myself also. And I think from my perspective after working with Diki and Cole behind the scenes for all this time, I think it boils down to two things, two key components. The first one is network effects, which are embedded and are rooted at the very core of the program, which is every time somebody publishes one of their atomic essays and they are, and they are supposed to publish 30 of them, they, in a way they are, yeah, they're helping themselves because they are, Using this great format to share their ideas online in a way that's concise and interesting, but looked from a marketing perspective, they're also promoting chip theory because the format is very unique and is inevitably related to chip theory. So I think that's the first one. And and as the cohort has grown and more people start joining the program and and writing their essays the 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 the, basically the word of mouth component that's embedded there it's just grown exponentially basically every time somebody writes and publishes an atomic essay they're spreading the word about ship theory and we have like in, in a way we have an army of of people spreading, happily spreading the word about the program.
1: Yeah. And I think that you nailed it. And this has been my hypothesis as well, is it seems like one, I think it just solved a real problem. It was like, it was a solution to something that a lot of people were struggling with. And Dickie himself was, you know, struggling with it. And he built a product for himself. And it's something that a lot of people resonated with. People wanted to hit the publish button, but didn't know how, didn't have the accountability engine. So it solved a problem that a lot of people had. The other thing was that viral growth you're talking about, which is that it created this movement. Like people just started to see these screenshot essays everywhere. They started to see these atomic essays, these threads and these ship emoji. And just by participating in the cohort, you were helping draw more attention to the cohort. And the network effects just really took off. And the rest is history. That is,
0: sorry, I'm gonna give you a second to just comment on that. Yeah, yeah sorry. I, I, and you just took, you just mentioned my second point, which is a share, a real shared struggle. And I think that's not only true for thriving, successful CVCs, but also for thriving, successful communities. They have usually a strong share. Struggle and journey, and people want. The, the, I think that the 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 takeaway here is, and, and this is something we always talk about in ship theory. Specificity. It, it can also be applied to to building CVCS and and communities. There is a very specific problem, writing and publishing con- consistently on the internet, that Dicky was experiencing himself, and he took that problem. And build the whole thing around it. but I, but again, as you're saying, it's a real shared struggle that a lot of people experience. and since since it or since it can be so painful, I think that's what makes the community so cohesive,
1: yeah, you nailed it. that's that is one of the things that's been so exciting to see is just again that that viral growth. And a lot of other CBCs, I think, have tried to borrow from this but haven't been able to pull it off to the same degree. That being said, I want want to shift gears a little bit, and and Daniel, going back to one of the points that you brought up earlier, which was the course today looks completely different than it did a year ago when I was participating in the first cohort, and that just is a function of you guys just being so customer oriented and caring about that student experience and iterating upon it. So, actually, first talk about all the things you got wrong in the early days. What were the things you did that really? We're just you look back and you're like wow, that was such a mistake that you've more recently had to go in and rectify.
0: I, I, that's a great question, but at the same time it's difficult to to to, to think through because there are so many changes like literally the amount of upgrades and things we've changed just from the past cohort which took place in, in January, like It's, it's mind blowing, but let's see what, what, let me flip the question. What, what do you think back then was the key components of the course when you first did it? Yeah. So I'm,
1: I'm thinking back. I I remember specifically the live sessions, the recite live sessions every Saturday at 11am. I remember Essentially one of the things that when I enrolled in the program was there was an email sequence. Well, actually, there wasn't an email sequence. It was a I believe it was a 30 day course on Podia. And every I think there was a an onboarding course that I went through on Podia. And then throughout the cohort, modules would unlock gradually. I don't know if I actually ended up going through all those modules but I do remember going to those live sessions and having a blast. And I don't think there were a ton of breakout rooms in the beginning. I think over time, there were more, I got to meet a lot of shippers. Oh, one thing that you guys introduced with my cohort, and I don't know if this still exists, was there was uh, there was like uh, mentor groups. Basically, I think, I don't know if this was after the live sessions, but essentially I remember us having to break up into these mentor groups. And there was some sort of Uh, mentor who had gone through a previous cohort who would just engage our kind of small tiny unit and just help it keep us accountable so that that's what i remember of the program the goal at that point i remember we there was like atomic essays.com i don't think type share was a thing yet so you had to basically download your little uh, png and then upload it and then you had to find a way to, I, I think I was using Zlapo. I'm still using Zlapo for scheduling things, but most people didn't even know what Zlapo was at that point or how to schedule threads.
0: That's super helpful. And it, 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 that felt like going back in a time machine, but okay. So th- that definitely a lot of ideas there. So the first one, first thing we got wrong was thinking people or, or students Th- thinking it was okay to have content or host content in a, in, a, in several different platforms or or places, right The more we iterate and the more we continue to, to spin up new cohorts we've real we've realized the power of centralizing information as much as possible, and that's one of the key changes even that we're making from January to March. We've moved away from Podia and we're using Circle as our LMS now. And hopefully that'll bring and that'll make the, the experience much more cohesive than it was it already was. Second thing, and, and this is something we still struggle with to be completely transparent. I think it's at the scale we're at, it's difficult to nail, but we're we're still trying new things on that front and trying to see what works best. But it's basically finding the right approach for doing what you mentioned about having mentors. Because the thing when you create this top-down groups is that people, and you, in a way, force people into being part of that group. Is that you? You create a bystander effect where, if two, three, four people of that group just are just ghosts and, and and don't get back to any of of the the other people messages, it it just becomes you know nobody else responds either. So it's tricky. We're still doing that in a different way, but that's definitely been a challenge. Another thing we're we're doing differently. So you mentioned. You mention groups, you mention the content. So the live sessions, that's that's another well, I, I wouldn't say that the thing or, or the thing we did wrong was the live sessions. I would say we were we we thought that more was always better, and that's not exactly right. In fact, for for a long time for, for several months, we had so much content. And it was incredibly valuable, but the experience is very intense also. And people didn't have enough time to go through it all. And yes, you can you can revisit the content later, you get uh, lifetime access to it, and you can you can go back and 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 go through the lessons again whenever you want, but it's not the same as as you know ha- having the learning, the, the immersive learning experience when everyone else is doing it. So that's another key thing we've done this cohort. We are reducing the amount of content we deliver outside our live sessions and using d- doubling down on, on our live sessions and using the the extra space in the circle to create a, to create and, and share assignments with our students so they can b- basically the live session becomes the key teaching slash learning moment and then you use circle and you use the community to put your learnings into practice instead of being exposed to more content in circle as as you were before.
1: Yeah no those are some really powerful learnings. A couple ones that I, I think picked up there you're talking about is centralizing the student experience. So one of the things that's really confusing if you're going through a court based course is if you have a lot of different places you have to go. And I think it, it's one of the things you guys have done really well is unify that. Initially, there was Slack. There was Podia. At some point, you there was obviously Zoom and Google Calendar. There's Luma. And then on top of that, there was also a time where there was both Slack and Circle. And so you could totally imagine if somebody who's taking a course just to get overwhelmed you guys identified this and you took action and you found a way, which honestly props to Circle as a platform. Like the fact that they've been able to be both an LMS, a community platform, a place for where your events can live. That's just amazing. I think they're doing great stuff over there. So the fact that Circle can act as everything, that's a trend that we're starting to see. A lot of people are moving away from course hosting platforms. They're moving away from Slack and they're just treating Circle as their home. So that that I picked up on. And then also this idea of more is not necessarily better, it's specifically around the live sessions. So identifying what is the right cadence for live events and then sticking to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, agreed. And on that note of more is not always better, even though your content can be extremely valuable, you have to identify what's the key different stages your students go through depending on the outcome that you want to help them get and, you know, strip everything that's not relevant to that key specific outcome. Because again, the information can be helpful and, and it can be valuable, but if it's not indispensable for helping people get to that desired outcome, then it should be removed or it should be delivered in a way That doesn't overwhelm people as as we're talking about.
1: Yeah, 100%. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about automations with the Automation Master. You have to, Daniel. Obviously, one of the things I love about the content you've write and you've been writing more recently has been around all these automations that you've built to help really scale the Ship 30 for 30 engine. I, I think that to get to the scale that you guys are operating with a staff as small as you have would not be possible without the automations you built so maybe even before the automations talk through the back end of ship 30 what it takes to run the course and over time what are the things you discovered that were just really manual and you just had to find a way to automate away
0: for sure yeah and and to to your comment of Ship theory, you not know, being able to run without automate, that's certainly true. I, li- I like to, joy, to joke that if I didn't know how to use Sapier, I would probably be divorced at, at this point. My, my wife would have left me already because <laughs> I would have to work so much. It's, it would be impossible. But yeah, our text stack our text is relatively simple and straightforward. We use Airtable. We use Zapier as, as the digital glue for all, all our tools. We use, at least for now, Luma for event hosting, as well as Zoom. What else we use? We used to use Podia, not anymore. Now we use Circle, both as our uh, hub for our community and for as our LMS. And I think that's pretty much it, at least. On the on the Ship Theory side, and when it comes to automation, many I was really forced to learn it. I, it was I, I really learned it by necessity. I, I wasn't a automation geek before Ship Theory. I, in fact, the the problem I was experiencing when I had to when I was forced to learn automation, is probably the the a problem another other communities and CVC's experience too, and is helping people create connections and and network with other uh, students during the program, right? From the very beginning, that's been a key component of the program. And again, in the first two cohorts, 50, 100 people, you could maybe grab a CSV file and a spreadsheet and and try to pair, pair people up quote unquote manually and it would be relatively easy. But as the cohort has scaled and grown, and people have started to ask for more quote unquote curated ways to be matched with other members, things have it got out of the hand out of our hands. And it was pretty hard to do this manually. And and, and that that was the first I, I remember the very first automation I built in Sapter for Ship30 was a partner matching automation where people would fill out a Typeform form. Oh, Typeform. That's another tool we use for, for, for ship Theory. So anyway, people would fill out a Typeform form and they would get paired up with another shipper who would also fill out the form and that, that would, that was super, super helpful because that it basically solved the issue of having to do it manually and Again, doing this for hundreds of people every week, it, it, it was definitely super time consuming.
1: Yeah, no, that's really valuable. One of the things that also I think uh, that Ship 30, the way you guys have been able to just build such an amazing student experience is there's also so much data that you guys are collecting. And one of the things that I've been able to see behind the scenes is this Internal engagement tracker that you've built, where you've basically able to map out across all these different tools all all the student data and show specifically the ones, the individuals who are highly engaged, and then showcase the people who are at risk. So talk about this kind of internal engagement tracker you've built. Like
0: how did you build it, and how does it help Ship Thirty work better? So that's been a combination of. For first identifying what are the key like student success indicators, right? Live session attendance, publishing streak, all, all those metrics that we've realized and, and learned are important and end up helping people achieve the outcome that we were talking about. We've put all of those in a spreadsheet and we just found a way to, as uh, not all of them are completely automated, but as automatically as possible, to gather all that data, send it to a central place. In in our case, is Airtable, and from there, build a score, right? And and for each student, we have an engagement score. And as you were saying, based on that score, we can, if if they're thriving and they're doing great, we can uh, celebrate them, give them props publicly, publicly, and and. And even maybe rely on lean, lean, lean on to them to help other shippers who might not be doing as well. and people who do need help, we immediately know who they are and we can do something about it. and that's another thing we've learned to. We've had to identify, yeah, where are the problems or, or rather, we, we've had to identify. The key indicators, but at the same time, we've we've also had to identify the things that help people get back to speed when they are not doing well on those indicators, right? And it's it's I think that's been super helpful in terms of course completion and student satisfaction because again, if you're helping, I think it, it comes down to that. If you help as many of your students get the outcome you promised them at the very beginning of the journey, you're you're not going to get anything but happy students who refer the program and spread the word. And this, I I don't think this was part of the question, but to create a little bit of of curiosity, we're taking this engagement tracking thing to a next level in the March cohort because now we're adding a gamification component to it. And now in the back end, we have a bunch of automations connected through circle. Before it was just Earth Table and us gathering data and reaching out to students, whether it was to celebrate them or to help them get back to speed. Now we're also gamifying those components and basically turning circle into a video game. I I love that.
1: And I specifically love this 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 notion of kind of a student success metrics. Now, that's incredibly important. That's what I love about CBCs is that unlike universities where universities get this student data, actually, they hardly collect it. But if they do collect it, they rarely act on it. CBCs, they, they treat their student experience like a product and they iterate on it like crazy. And the only way to iterate on it is if you have the data. If you don't have the data you can't do much. So talk more about what are your top leading indicators that somebody is on target to being successful versus somebody who is at risk. And then talk about how do you course correct? If you have identified that
0: somebody's at risk, how do you get them back on track? So we have we we have different indicators even throughout different stages of the course because again it's it's just 30 days but it's an an intense 30 days right and we basically divide or split up the course in weeks and throughout each week we have different indicators some that are quote-unquote universal or that we always track our live session attendance circle engagement right how, how much people are commenting or even creating spinning up their own posts member-led events we i, th- I think it, it comes down to people engaging with other members people attending to the live sessions and showing us they are putting their learnings into practice you know by completing assignments by asking questions and lastly yeah engagement live session attendance and i I think those are the two key to be completely honest yeah that makes a lot
1: of sense and then how do you course correct if you find out that hey these people aren't they're not attending live sessions they're not commun- they're not participating on circle what do you do then we make
0: it easier for them for for instance if people are not able to attend to a live session last time what we did was we devoted one of our live sessions right in the middle of the course to do a recap so instead of keep teaching new things and introducing new frameworks and new principles new learnings we took one of our kind of midpoint sessions to do a recap with the a recap of everything we had covered till that point. We took the time to split up that recording in clips where we highlighted the most important frameworks and, and yeah, learnings of the course so far. And we hire someone to get type timestamp notes in the YouTube video so people could easily skim through it and find the, say you attended three out of five sessions, you just missed two. You could easily go through the timestamps in, in the description in YouTube and just get get caught up in the specific sessions or frameworks frameworks that you missed. So when it comes to live session attendance, for instance, what we do is find a way to or rather take some time during the course to do a recap, help people get up to speed, answer questions, and then this make the content we've already covered as accessible and easy to scheme as possible and make sure everyone has access to it.
1: Wow. This is brilliant. Well, Daniel, we're reaching the end of our time right now. I've learned so much. That being said, I'd love to hear my final question to you is what do you feel is like the biggest bottleneck for Ship 30 right now? And what is your team going to be doing for the next three, six months to address it?
0: Right now, I think it is an internal bottleneck where we, to be completely honest, just need, I, I just think we need either more time or more people and i think doubling something we or the way we want to go about it is definitely doubling down in automation but also we're we're starting to look for ways to outsource more of the things that are not so high leverage for us anymore we are also embracing documentation and we're trying to build this culture of creating SOPs more diligently, right? Because we've, we've done it in the past, but sometimes we in the program move so fast that we just forget to do it or simply don't have time to do it. We're, we're doing an extra effort to document all the things we're improving, all the upgrades we're building, all the infrastructure we're turning around and documenting as much of that as possible. So. We can start to reliably depend on more people. we We can ha- having all this documentation, all these processes established, we can start to outsource more of that work while also being sure that it's gonna be easy for people to execute on it because we've laid out the 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 foundation there's there are clear instructions and that would allow us to free up our time a little bit and focus on the high leverage stuff which is creating creating new upgrades and and making these changes that end up improving the customer, the the student and the customer experience
1: that's spectacular daniel i'm so excited to watch as both a fan of ship 30 as well as a member with with that, do you have any last minute plugs in terms of how our listeners can learn more about Ship
0: 30 and keep up with you on social media? For sure. You can learn more about the program at ship30.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at D-B-U-S-T-A-C. That's my Twitter handle. That's where I'm most active these days. And that's also where I share all the automation, good stuff that I been sharing for the past couple months. And it's been excellent content. I can't recommend it enough. Thanks, Daniel. This was a blast. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, my man.
1: Hey, Ish here. If you enjoyed that episode, Will and I would love for you to leave a review and a subscribe on your favorite podcast player. It really helps get the word out. If you want to keep up when new episodes drop, head on over to reshapingeducationpodcast.com or give will and i a follow on twitter all the links will be in the show notes with that this is ish and will signing off